Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> so, um, Roberto Menendez uh, gave his uh, first press conference after canceling a Hispanic Heritage event uh, that he was supposed to be at, that he's always at, but U.S. Senator uh, Roberto Menendez, uh, he did a presser, did half of it in Spanish, didn't take any questions, uh, and uh, the part that was in English... Uh, he said that uh, there's perfectly uh, reasonable uh, and obvious explanations <clears throat> for why all of this stuff looks the way it does. It's because he's like totally corrupt. Like, that's... no, no, no. He said he's innocent. I am innocent until proven guilty. Uh, you know, I, uh, I I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, my record on Egypt is clear. I've always been in the tank for free societies and uh and democracy, and the only reason they're coming after me is because I'm uh, I'm a successful Latino, and uh, and then he said that the reason why he had all of the money uh, stashed at his house, you see, was because he um, he would withdraw all of the money from his house uh, from his bank account rather, uh, and he would take all of the cash, and then I guess he got some like gold bars and bought some gold bars and stuff, and just like having those around the house, OG style. And then he um, and he would just like uh, keep all of the cash stuffed in the envelopes and various jackets. And that's because uh, he was so afraid of having uh, his wealth confiscated by government agents because of his background, he said, and 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 where he grew up. And Michael Graham. Points out he grew up in New Jersey. Right. So. I don't know. I mean, it does seem to track, you know, confiscatory government agents, New Jersey, right in line. That does make sense. So, no, he, no, he, he, yeah, he suggested that it's because of uh, Castro's Cuba. That's the reason why he has all of the cash and the gold bars stashed all around his house and in his uh, windbreakers and stuff is because he's so afraid of, of the government coming and seizing all of his money, which that does happen when you get charged with corruption. That does happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's a totally well-founded concern of his, right? Because look at what they did. They showed up at his house, and they took his cash. So no wonder why he was keeping all of the cash on hand. This way, I guess it makes it easier when the agents show up or something. Anyway, he's not going to resign. He says he's going to run for re-election, and he's going to win. He's totally going to win. So... You know it's bad when when can't find a fetterman is calling for you to step down. When fed, when you're like when you are unable to serve in the esteemed opinion of John Fetterman when he thinks you can't serve, like that's I I mean that's a line you've crossed, you know? So All right, uh next up, let's talk mayo. You know me, I love mayo. Mayo is the best condiment. It's the superior condiment to all other condiments. 
Uh, you can't literally anything that you could put any other condiment on. You can also put mayo on. I have made this very clear. Now, apparently there is a clinic. There is a clinic for mayo. And they have put out apparently some revised guidance on hydroxychloroquine, which I don't understand why mayonnaise has anything to say about hydroxychloroquine. But apparently the Mayo Clinic has quietly changed. What's that? Oh. Oh, well, that would make more sense then. Okay, so yeah, so this is actually like a, yeah, this is a medical facility, the Mayo Clinic. So hydroxychloroquine, it has a description at the Mayo Clinic website, and it says it is used to treat malaria. That is not Alec Baldwin's American wife who's pretending to be from Spain. That's Hilaria. Hilaria, which is not her real name. Her real name is like Hillary. But she thinks she's from Spain. She identifies as a Spanish person, and she has uh, adopted this fake Spanish accent. She pretends to not know words, but she's from Connecticut, if I recall. Anyway, so malaria, not hilaria, but malaria. That's a disease. It is also used to prevent malaria infection in areas or regions where it is known that other medicines may not work. Hydroxychloroquine may also be used to treat... Coronavirus. Wait, wait. Treat what now, you say? Wait. Hydroxychloroquine may also be used to treat coronavirus in certain hospitalized patients. Oh, you don't say. I'm old enough to remember where if you said something like that, that was banishment. You got like Harvey Weinstein treatment. You got Russell branded, you know? You got deplatformed, had your accounts locked up. Messages frozen. Oh, I mean, those were the, yeah, I mean, it's a long time ago. Some of the young kids probably won't remember, but um, that's probably due to oxygen deprivation, stunting their brain growth during the masking period, the great days of masking. Using this medicine, the Mayo Clinic says, using this medicine alone or with other medicines like azithromycin. I've never been able to pronounce that word. I really do hate pharmaceutical companies for many reasons, but I also kind of like them for other reasons. But one of the reasons I do hate them is because of the names of their drugs. When they're not ridiculously fabricated, stupid names, they're these ridiculously long, unpronounceable names. Do better. Big Pharma, do better. Anyway, um, they say, Mayo Clinic says, that uh, when using hydroxychloroquine alone or with other medicines, it may increase your risk of heart rhythm problems. Hydroxychloroquine should only be used for COVID-19 in a hospital or during clinical trials. Do not take any medicine that contains hydroxychloroquine unless prescribed by your doctor. Well, that's good, right? Baby steps. Baby steps. Back to acknowledging that maybe there might be some meds that are out there that could actually help treat. This is what I said from the beginning of the pandemic when people were like, hey, there's, there's no cure for this thing. Oh, my gosh, we have to close everything down. Like when you took these extraordinary measures, right, when you were so afraid of the hospitals being overwhelmed with sick people that you couldn't treat everybody and they would be dying in the hallways and such, right? You know, like kind of what's happening down in in Texas along the the border with Mexico where all of their – all their services are being overrun right now. Kind of like that. When everybody was so afraid of that happening, 
but because of COVID-19, I said at the time, right, we're either practicing battlefield medicine or we're not. And it's the same challenge I offer to the environmentalists, the climate changers, right? You either believe this is an existential threat and you're doing everything in your life to change it, or you're just speaking. Just words, to quote Barack Obama, just words. Yeah, those are just words, right? When you can't give up your, uh, your chartered flights, your private jets, your multiple mansions, your beachfront property, right? You're not behaving as if you believe the things you're saying are true. So when people said, like, you know, we got to try everything, we got to throw everything at this virus, we got to respond as, uh, uh, as best we can, we have limited information, and so we, we can't have our, our system overwhelmed, And so everybody has to stay home. We have to take these extraordinary measures. To me, that's battlefield medicine, right? We're we're trying to do everything. We don't know. Some of the stuff might not work. But we need to then say, is it working? Is it not working? Stuff that doesn't work? All right, move on. Try something else. But if stuff does work, then we should be able to say, hey, we we think there there might be some promise here. We were doing this thing with the leeches, and they worked. Like, oh, yes, let's use leeches everywhere, you know? I think that's how that happened, historically speaking. But no, remember what we were getting were all sorts of news stories about how hydroxychloroquine, no, 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 it wasn't working. For example, this one back in 2020, New England Journal of Medicine, they conducted a clinical trial at 55 hospitals in Brazil, and they found hydroxychloroquine to be ineffective the latest blow to President Jair Bolsonaro's push for its widespread use. Like U.S. President Donald Trump, whom he admires, Mr. Bolsonaro has touted the drug as a treatment for COVID-19. Right? They turned all of this crap into politics. We're either treating this thing like we're either uh, we're, we're treating it with whatever we can, throwing everything we can at it, trying to find out what works. Right? We're either practicing battlefield medicine or we're not. And it seems like a lot of the people that told us we were actually weren't. Actually weren't. Marty McCary and Tracy Beth Haig, uh, they've got a new piece out. This is over at the uh, New York Post. Marty McCary is a doctor. He's a professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And Tracy Beth Haig is a doctor, Ph.D. She's an epidemiologist at the University of California, San Francisco. I'd say they're kind of qualified as experts. I think so. Headline, the real data behind the new COVID vaccines the White House is pushing. All right. So uh, Marty Mac, sorry, Marty McCary and Tracy Beth Haig, uh, two medical professionals, one from Johns Hopkins, one from UC San Francisco, and Uh, They wrote a piece at the New York Post. Say, what if I told you that one in 50 people who took a new medication had a medically attended adverse event and that the manufacturer refused to disclose what exactly the complication was? Would you take it? What if the theoretical benefit was only transient? It only lasted like three months. And after that, your susceptibility goes back to baseline. All right, what if we told you that the Food and Drug Administration cleared this treatment without any human outcomes data and European regulators are not universally recommending it like the CDC is? 
Well, that's what we know about the new COVID vaccine, quote unquote, the shot. The quote is for the vaccine part, not the shot, because it's not like I, I, I don't I don't consider this to be a vaccine any longer. I mean, they're shots. We call them like a flu shot. I know they want to try like flu vaccine, but it's it's not it, it's not it doesn't vaccinate you from the thing. Right. It minimizes the chances of you getting something, but maybe not. Right. So I, I'm just calling it the shot, the covid shot. Um, the Biden administration is firmly recommending this for every single American six months old and older. The push is so hard that former White House COVID coordinator Ashish Jha and CDC chief Mandy Cohen, who's got it going on, as I understand, are making unsupported claims that this new shot reduces hospitalizations. And it reduces long COVID. And it reduces the likelihood you're going to spread COVID. But none of these claims have scientific support for them. But Mandy Cohen kept it safe because she would get on the TV and treat me like a child. And it made me feel so protected. In fact, if the manufacturers said any of this in any of their ads... They could be fined for making false marketing claims beyond an FDA-approved indication. So the government is telling you stuff that, if Big Pharma said it, would get them fined by the government. But because, I guess, Big Pharma and the FDA are now just one, um, I guess we ju- they just use the FDA or they use uh, CDC or they use the White House. They use them as their spokespeople. Which is actually probably for the best because, man, gosh, the pharmaceutical ads are terrible. Don't get me started again. Um, last year, for the boosters that they rolled out last year, it didn't really go. They, they, they spent a lot of money. And by they, I mean we did. Um, right. The Biden administration, they prepaid. They prepaid Big Pharma $4.9 billion dollars. They bought 171 million doses, and they had to throw a bunch of them away because nobody took them. This year, having learned the lesson from last year and the performance, obviously, they oh they increased their orders. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you? This is classic GovCo, right? The failure of a program means throw more money at it. So they have now increased the number of doses that they're purchasing, Um There clearly seems to be a special push this time to give it to the kiddies. The same group that European regulators are not supporting getting the shots. In fact, the original Moderna vaccine was banned in parts of Europe for people under the age of 30. Pfizer made $100 billion during the pandemic. It can afford to fund a randomized trial to demonstrate to the American people that their new booster is effective. That would be what we call the scientific process. Follow-up studies of COVID shots in general have revealed a disappointing truth. Mild efficacy against infection, and it's transient. It doesn't last very long, and it stands on the side of the exit ramps asking for money, and it only lasts a few months. Perhaps Pfizer and Moderna knew the FDA regulatory process was greased for them, and they didn't have to do this kind of study. 
But it's time for the FDA to resume its role as a regulator and not the marketing department for Pfizer and Moderna. It is possible that a new booster may help downgrade the severity of COVID infection. It's possible, in particularly in high-risk populations. But that's all the more reason for a proper clinical trial, right? That's why you do the science and data. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Um, all right, so back to this uh, piece at the New York Post, Marty Markery, or Macari, sorry, I always want to call him Markery, but Macari, and Tracy Beth Haig talking about the new booster being recommended by Mandy Cohen, who's got it going on, and uh, they're making claims, she's making claims about the new shot that are unsupported by data or science, and if, uh, according to these medical experts, if the pharmaceutical companies made these claims, they would be fined by government regulators. They say it's possible that a new booster could uh, lessen the severity of a COVID infection in high-risk populations, but that's why you would need a proper clinical trial to test that, to see if if that's true. And if it is, wouldn't you want to know? I would. It's also worth noting that the CDC's new recommendation ignores natural immunity which means a lot of schools are going to do the same. So if you got sick, then they're going to come at you, what, three, four weeks later and say, get boosted? Be like, but I already got it. I have natural immunity. We don't care. Mandy says you have to do it. Mandy the M- Mandy the nurse. Mandy the, no, she's a doctor. Mandy the school mom. She, like, this is, a, I'm not trying to be insulting. It's just real. It's just the way she speaks down. It's just so condescending. I've always hated it. She speaks in the sing-songy uh, nurse ratchet kind of way, and it just, oh, it's just so aggravating. Talking to everybody like they're three-year-olds. A February Lancet review of 65 studies concluded natural immunity is at least as good as vaccinated immunity and probably better. Another study published last year in the medical journal Vaccine estimated that the rate of serious adverse events are as high as one in 556 COVID vaccine recipients. One in 556, adverse effect, serious adverse event. And for young people, the incidence of myocarditis is 6 to 28 times higher after the vaccine than after infection, even for females. That according to a 2022 Journal of American Medical Association cardiology study. That's one of the reasons a study we and several national colleagues published last year found that college booster mandates appear to have resulted in a net public health harm. Finally, at a molecular level, some scientists are concerned about what is called immune imprinting and additional ways multiple booster doses can actually weaken the immune system. A study published last year in the journal Science described a reduced immune response among people infected 
who then received three COVID doses, COVID vaccine doses. The more you use it, the less it works. Inexplicably and defying science, uh, science, they conclude, the CDC is saying that even if a child had COVID three weeks ago, he or she should still get the new COVID shot. Two of the FDA's two best vaccine experts are gone. Dr. Marion Gruber, who was the director of the FDA's vaccine office, and her deputy director, Dr. Philip Krauss, they both quit the agency in 2021 in protest over political pressure to authorize vaccine boosters in young people. That's because it was that authoritarian Donald Trump in 20. Oh, no, 2021. Oh, that would be Joe Biden. Sorry. Ever since the loss of these two vaccine experts, the agency's vaccine authorizations have been consistent with an overly cozy relationship between pharma and the White House. Pushing a new COVID vaccine without human outcomes data makes a mockery of the scientific method and our regulatory process. In fact, why have an FDA at all if White House doctors can simply declare a drug to be safe after discussing secret data in private meetings with pharma? But look, this is right on brand for Dr. Cohen, Dr. Mandy Cohen, when she was head of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services and she was leading us during the pandemic. She did all of her meetings in private. We never got an insight into who was advising her, who she was uh, seeking advice from, what she was relying on. It was only after she got out, she retired from North Carolina while awaiting her appointment as new CDC chief. Remember that she did that. She did some Q&A, some speech, some appearance. I want to say it was up in Boston or something. And she started giggling and laughing about how she would uh, talk with all of these other health directors and secretaries of health at different states. And they'd be, oh, are you opening up? Are you going to open up the NFL games? Are you going to allow that? Oh, okay, I'm not either. Let's not do that. That was, how, that was their science and data. That was what they were doing. They cut out the, um, the Council of State in North Carolina, and that was, a, uh, you know, that was a tag team effort right there by Cohen and my good friend Ray Cooper, the governor. They cut out the Council of State, which is specifically there for these types of situations. So you have 10 elected offices statewide. They oversee various important sectors, agriculture, education, insurance, right? And they meet. And when Roy Cooper wanted to issue his emergency declaration to start shutting down businesses, he couldn't get all of them on board. He couldn't even get a majority. He couldn't get a single Republican to flip and agree with him to give him this power. And so then he just ignored it and went around it and said, I have the authority to to do this on my own. So they weren't giving advice. They weren't, he, he wasn't seeking it from all of these industries. The treasurer wasn't, wasn't consultant. Uh, the labor secretary, right? The, these are agencies that are sending out unemployment checks and the like, right? You've got a massive crush on the bureaucracy that was never expected, was never designed to handle that kind of an inflow. But, you know, battlefield medicine and all, right? Yeah. No, in fact, if you raised any doubts or questions about any of this stuff, right, you had your accounts shut down, you had your platforms come after you, you got demonetized, you got blocked, you couldn't send messages. 
If you were up in Canada and you were protesting because you had your right to work eliminated, right? Then you got debanked, right? You had your banks turn around and say, you can't access your money because the government doesn't like what you're, uh, what you're saying and why you're protesting. So that's why this has been very concerning as we've watched this develop. Meanwhile, the people that are actually engaged in this behavior are telling us to be on the lookout for the orange man because he's going to he's going to take all of your speech, all of your freedom away because he's the real authoritarian. Meanwhile, by the way, up in Canada, they apparently gave a standing ovation to an actual Nazi, like a 98 year old Nazi. Yeah, I don't think they knew who he was, but yeah, but good job, Trudeau. Anyway, um. I was particularly interested in this survey that uh, Real Clear Politics published. Is censorship a partisan issue? You'll never guess who the real authoritarians are. No, you probably guessed it already. Yeah, you're smart. You probably guessed it. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. RealClearPolitics.com, written by Carl Cannon, who is the Washington Bureau Chief at Real Clear Politics. He says, The 45-word First Amendment prohibited Congress from abridging freedom of speech or of the press and has been long understood to include any branch of government. James Madison, the drafter of the first 10 constitutional amendments, which are called the what, Bernie? The first 10 constitutional amendments are the what? Bill of Rights. There you go. See? I'm so smart now. <laughs> uh, originally, Madison drafted a more fiery version of the First Amendment, one that included its underlying rationale. Quote, the people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak, to write, or to publish their sentiments, and the freedom of the press as one of the great bulwarks of liberty shall be inviolable. So non-violated. Okay. A new poll on censorship by Real Clear Opinion Research shows that 90% of voters express support for these curbs on government power. So that's good. Give it a, there you go. Good for us. 90%, 9 out of 10. That's pretty good. I'd like it to be higher, but still, you know, there are dumbasses among us. And so, fine. Pollster. Spencer Kimball directed the survey, and uh, according to him and the survey results, uh, painting with a broad brush, Democrats grant significantly more deference to GovCo than do Republicans when it comes to regulating free speech. This isn't the only fault line revealed by the survey. Some of what is dividing these differences is generational, right? Millennials, 
Gen Z, and Gen A's, they have come of age in a digital environment in which reasonable expectations of privacy seem to be a relic of the past. Quote, those under 30 are most open to censorship by the government. Those under 30. Kids today, man, I'll tell you what. Kimball also noted that 42% of this cohort deem it, quote, more important to them that the government protect national security than guard the right to free expression. Among those over the age of 65, the corresponding percentage is like 26%. It's like half, less than half. Asked whether they support free speech, even if it's deeply offensive, 78% of men said yes. I support free speech, even if it's deeply offensive, I still support free speech. 78% of dudes compared to 66% of women. I'm not commenting on that. I am not saying a thing. The most <laughs> Look, there is... I've been watching this. Limbaugh used to talk about this all the time, right? The chickification of news, right? He used to talk about that. Um, feminization, if you will, in all sorts of areas of society. And there are pros and cons, right? When, when, when it was all male-dominated and then that, it, it had certain you know, norms as part of that structure that were not all beneficial. Why is there this assumption that if we have organizations or institutions that are dominated by women, that there would be all benefits and, and no downside whatsoever? Why would we think that to be the case? If it was not good to have it dominated and a culture, you know, uh, created and dominated by men, why would we assume that a culture created and dominated by women would be better. Is it because women are better than men? Is that the implicit bias there being expressed? Obviously, the big one, education. Education, right? There are now more females going to college, getting degrees than men, right? That's that's flipped. When I was When I was going to college, that was... The other way around, men made up more of the uh, the student body in universities than women did, and now it's reversed. Is that a problem? What? Why is it not a problem when it was uh, men in the minority, but it was a problem when women were in the minority? Right? If if the goal was to get women to go to college, mission accomplished. Right? They're in college. In fact, now they outnumber the men. So is that a good thing? By the way, is the way that we are educating people, kids, particularly K-12, GovCo schools, the way in which we educate them, are those maybe a little bit too women-centric, women-focused, stuff that appeals to girls and their ability to learn and, and like plays to their strengths? Does that sometimes come at the expense of the way you educate boys because I'm going to say something that's pretty controversial right now that girls and boys are different. <laughs> they are. Men and women are different. It's true. And maybe this is part of that expression. This was this poll result because that's a big gap. 
66% of women, while it's still good that two-thirds are saying that you, speech should be protected even if they find it deeply offensive, that's good. But it's two-thirds. That means fully one out of three women are like, no, that speech should be illegal. And for the dudes, it's not that much. 78% are like, no, it's deeply offensive, but it should not be illegal. That's concerning. It's a little concerning. It's actually a lot. It's a lot concerning. <laughs> it's, it's very concerning. Because I don't want Mandy Cohen telling me what I can and cannot say. There are, oh, there are more gaps here. You know what the biggest gap is between? Conservatives and liberals. I'll get into more of the details on the survey after the news. Thank you.